Hi, everyone. This is Chica Blessed, and welcome back to the Pan-African Now podcast. In this episode, we will continue with part two of our previous episode titled The African Diaspora and Bridging the Gap. In this continuation of our exploration into the interconnectedness of people of African descent around the world, we'll dive a bit deeper into the bonds that unite us and the challenges that we face. One of the most profound aspects of the African diaspora is the way in which our shared history shapes our present and our future. So before we begin our exploration, I want to kind of go over a little bit about the transatlantic slave trade and give you a deeper explanation of what it was and what it was intended to do. So the transatlantic slave trade was a segment of the global trade that transported about 10 to 12 million enslaved Africans across the Atlantic Ocean to the Americas from about the 16th to the 19th centuries. It was a second of a three-stage so-called triangular trade in which arms, textiles, and wine were shipped from Europe to Africa and then enslaved people from Africa to the Americas and sugar and coffee from the Americas to Europe. And before we talk a bit about the origins of the transatlantic slave trade and the history of enslaved African people, I want to let you guys know that slavery was nothing new to the people on the continent of Africa prior to the transatlantic slave trade. As you guys know, slavery was also a part of history. One of the greatest stories ever told was the story of Moses and how he freed the Israelites from Egypt. That was in the Bible and that was well before the transatlantic slave trade. Now let's talk about the origins of the transatlantic slave trade. So by the 1480s, the Portuguese ships were already transporting Africans for use as enslaved laborers on the sugar plantations in the Cape Verde and the Madeira Islands in the eastern Atlantic. The Spanish conquistadors took enslaved Africans to the Caribbean after about 1502, but then the Portuguese merchants continued to dominate the transatlantic slave trade for another century and a half, operating from their main bases in the Congo and Angola area along the west coast of Africa. The Dutch became the foremost traders of enslaved people during the parts of the 1600s. And in the following century, the English and French merchants controlled about half of the transatlantic slave trade, taking a large percentage of their human cargo from the region of West Africa between Senegal and the Niger rivers. Let's rewind a bit to the beginning of the transatlantic slave trade. There is some information that I did not mention in the beginning about the origin of the transatlantic slave trade, because I do not feel that it was considered to be trading since these Africans were kidnapped from the continent of Africa. But I will still share the information with you. So in 1441, two Portuguese explorers traveled to Mauritania in West Africa and kidnapped 12 Africans and returned to Portugal and presented the captives as gift to Prince Henry the Navigator. By 1460, 700 to 800 African people were taken annually and imported into Portugal. Taken, aka kidnapped, not bought, not traded. In Portugal, the Africans were used as domestic servants. Then, from about 1460 to the 1500s, the removal of Africans increased as Portugal and Spain built forts along the coast of West Africa. By the 1500s, Portugal and Spain had taken about 50,000 West Africans. The Africans worked as servants, artisans, farmers. Other Africans were taken to sugar plantations in the Azores, Madeira, Canary, and Cape Verde Islands. 
1713, an agreement between Spain and Britain granted the British monopoly on the trade of enslaved people with the Spanish colonies. Under the Asiento de Negros, Britain was entitled to supply those colonies with about 4,800 enslaved Africans per year for 30 years. The contract for this supply was assigned to the South Sea Company, of which the British Queen Anne held about 22.5% of the stock. So guys, this was a a business. This was a very lucrative business. The transatlantic slave trade was not just about taking people to, uh, you know, different parts of the world so that they can build it or do this or do that. This was actually a contract. So as you guys know, if you fast forward to 2024, which is the year we're in right now, uh, if you have a contract to supply, you have to actually do good on your contract because what will happen is if someone else comes in and they can do what you cannot do, then of course you will no longer be in business. Another thing is a lot of people always say, well, if it's a contract and if the cargo was so special and so important, why did they treat Africans so badly? Why was it that they were so brutal? Why did they end up throwing some of them overboard? Um, Why did they, you know, not feed them and so on and so forth? What a lot of people do not know is most of these companies, they had insurance. They had insurance on their cargo, aka the African slaves. Europeans enslave Muslims and people practicing other religions as a justification to Christianize them. A very important note to mention is that most African leaders were very much against the trading and kidnapping of Africans. Most of the leaders tried to negotiate with the Europeans and also to set their own terms on which Europeans would have to follow in order for them to purchase slaves or to trade. Sometimes trading between Europeans and African leaders was not equal. For example, Europeans influenced Africans to provide more slaves by forming military alliance with warring African societies to instigate more fighting, which would provide more war captives and more slaves to be traded to the European consumers. Also, Europeans shifted the location of disembarkment points for trade along the African coast to follow the military conflicts in West Africa. Africa's population, the society, political, and military changes to African societies suffered greatly. The Masi Kingdom, which is located in modern-day Burkina Faso, resisted the transatlantic slave trade and refused to participate in, in the selling of African people. However, as time progressed, more European slave traders entered into West Africa, having more influence in African nations, and the Masi became involved in slave trading in the 1800s. As you guys can see, there is a lot of information for us to share on the Pan-Africans Now podcast. As we come to a close of this enlightening episode, let us carry forward the spirit of unity, resilience, and empowerment. The African diaspora is not just a story of struggle and hardship. It's a story of triumph, resilience, and boundless potential. Let us continue to celebrate our shared heritage, uplift each other, and work together to build a brighter future for generations to come. And remember, no matter where you are in the world, we are all a part of the same global family and together we can overcome any challenge and achieve greatness. So please stay empowered, stay inspired, stay connected and keep on bridging that gap. Mm-hmm.